2019 is almost here. Can you believe this is the last Sunday we have to gather and worship together for 2018? Anybody expecting God to do great things in the coming year? I am expecting. Come on, let's declare it in agreement. We are expecting. Sometimes we just need to stir up our expectation. And I want to talk exactly about that today. I want to start by just wishing a very happy anniversary to my wife today. And um, we have a picture. And I thought about this as I was kind of looking over the picture posted and so on. But we have had a lot of new beginnings over our five or more years together in marriage. A lot of new beginnings. I started kind of reflecting on what those new beginnings are. Uh, I thought about the new beginning of when we first got married and how we had just come home from our honeymoon and I was in the bathroom shaving while Tracy was in the shower. And I remember shaving, standing there looking in the mirror as suddenly she stepped out of the shower and, and it, you know, it was a new beginning. It was a new normal for me that there was, I was in the bathroom with a naked woman. And I, I, I remember thinking, I should leave. No, wait, it's okay. This is okay. And then, then I remember going to uh, visit her family right after we got married. And, and, uh, and it was really a new normal. You know, it's just a new normal. Like it's, it wasn't normal. Now it is normal. Anybody experienced this before in your life? And, and we're sitting in the living room and, 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 and Tracy said, well, I'm really tired. I'm going to go to bed. And then it hit me. Like, this is her dad, and she's going to bed. And I said, I'm going to go to the bedroom now with your daughter. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> you know, it was a new normal. This was very, very new to us. And then, like, I came to bed. It was the first night in their, you know, in their, the in-laws' house. And I, I remember laying down in bed, and I thought, I'm going to kiss my, my new wife. And when I rolled over, the bed goes, squeak, squeak, squeak. And Tracy goes, squeak. <laughs> Do not make the bed squeak in my parents' house. <laughs> it was a new normal. I mean, just so many new normals for our lives. And, you know, it's just been a, 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 this journey of learning new normals along the journey, and, and, and uh, financially, like it was a new normal, as I get a little more serious with you, um, we were talking this week, and I said, you know, I really wish, I mean, I feel so bad for people that are just struggling so much financially, and, and some, you know, really difficult hardship situations, and, uh, and as Tracy and I started talking about it, she just made the point, and it's a point very well made, um, you know, when we first started out, we simply chose to spend as little as possible instead of spend like what everybody else would and then complain about not having enough money. Like, we didn't have cable. It was just a luxury we chose not to spend money on. Uh, I know that's like, for some people, it's like, what, are you live in a third world country? You don't have cable? Uh, but, you know, it just was, it was the normal for us. We were going to do whatever it took to change our financial dynamic. And then we moved into a new normal where we became completely debt-free. I remember when we paid off my school loan. We, we both contributed a lot to our marriage. I contributed school loans. She contributed other things uh, that were actually not debt. But, but, you know, I remember when I finally paid off 
our school loans that I brought into the marriage. And, and we celebrate like it was the new normal, no more school loan payments. And, and uh, we really just walked that stuff out until we just kept on discovering what the new normal was constantly going to be. There was a new normal when uh, faith was born. You know, we, here we were, <clears throat> two people, no kids, and we go to the hospital. And I remember like I walk in the room and, and, and I had no idea what I was in for, you know. I was very nervous. I had never been around anybody that had a baby before. And I'm standing in the room and, and all of a sudden, you know, dilation and, and we're having these conversations and I'm like, what? You know, we're at a three. And, and, you know, we're all having interaction and conversation. And I'm holding Tracy's hand. Oh, honey, we're at a three. How I many you know three is conversational? And, 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 and then we're at a four. And four is conversational. You get it? And then we're at a five, and five is conversational. You understand? This progression is happening, and I'm realizing holding her hand and, and wanting to, you know, stroke her brow and, and be calm. All of a sudden, the doctor's having this conversation, and then, like, the doctor puts this welding shield down over her face, literally this big shield, and, and she stops having this interaction conversation, and she says, push! It's time to push! And, and I, I mean, the whole room changed. And then she knew I was a pastor and she was a Christian. And she goes, come on, come on, pastor, pray. As in, you know, <laughs> what's wrong with you? And, I, and I'm just so shell-shocked, you know, I am just astonished. And then like, there's all of a sudden a baby. And, and I'm like, it's the baby, you know, it's here. And she said, you know, cut the cord. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> we didn't have the conversation about cutting the cord. And so I'm standing there and, and she hands me the scissors. And then I'm like, I don't want to miss a moment, you know, that I'm going to regret for the rest of my life. And so I, I go in and I'm thinking, you know, it, it, I don't know what's going to happen. You cut that thing and, and you know, as a kid, I played with water wiggles and, and I thought, you know, psh, the baby might hurt, ah, you know, oh. and so I cut the cord. It's really hard, by the way, to cut. Tim, if you're going to cut the cord, just be prepared, okay? No, no, don't do that. <laughs> So, so, you know, this, all of a sudden I'm holding, and like her cry captured my heart. How many of you parents know the first moment you heard the cry of the first child? And man, it was like all of a sudden we had a baby. We didn't have to go get a license to take the baby home. We didn't have to go, you know, there was no governmental requirement. We just like, here is your baby. Like, I'm changing diapers, I'm, you know, I don't know, what, every time I cry, you know, I'm, I'm up in the night making sure, you know, she's still breathing, and how many of you all know, your first child is like, the new normal so changed our lives, all through the progression of what the new normal is, and I want you to, to know, as I thought about faith being born, Lexi being born was a different uh, scenario, but with faith, because Lexi was premature, but with faith, there was a sense of pain, and there was a sense of push. And listen very carefully, very clearly, there was a sense of purpose. And I want you to hear me say this today as we kind of bring conclusion to 2018, a new beginning of 2019. The pathway to purpose is always filled with pain. But if you will focus on the purpose, you will push through the pain. Do not submit to the pain. 
Submit to the purpose. Don't focus on the pain. Focus on the purpose, and you will push through the pain, and new life will come, and a new normal will take place. And I believe today God wants us to understand something of a sense of what a new normal is supposed to be as we step into a new season. Come on. I believe God wants to bring new life into our future and this coming year in Jesus' mighty name. So we're going to look at Jude and, and these first three chapters of the book, or sorry, first three verses of the book of Jude, it's just such a, a great depiction and, and almost a contrast. And I'll explain what I mean. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called. Everyone say, I've been called. I've just taken your hand now, and we're conversational. Okay? That, that's what's going on. And now... Not only are you called, but who are loved. Everybody say, I'm loved. We're still conversational. We're only dilated at three, maybe a four here. This says, to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Everybody say, I'm kept. It's important that you understand you're called, you're loved, and you're kept, and we're still having this conversation. Mercy and peace and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, Although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled. Okay, now we're dilating to a five, starting maybe move to a six. I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend. All right, push. It's time to push. God's given you all these things, but you're going to have to contend. I want to say today, as we look into the lens of Scripture, there are some things that God is going to give to you, and He's going to provide those for you, and you can perhaps possess them by hearing somebody preach or having other people pray for you, but there comes a point in your life where you are going to have to push. You are going to have to pray. You are going to have to press in. You are going to have to focus on that which is purposeful so that you will press beyond the pain and give birth to that which God is wanting to give birth in your life. I'm fired up. I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend. Aren't you glad you're called, you're loved, and you're kept? Now contend. I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. He calls you, he loves you, he keeps you. Now contend for everything he desires for you. I, I want you to understand something, and you need to hear this so clearly today. God rarely gets his way. I'm convinced God rarely gets his way. We live in a fallen world where the purposes of God are frustrated by fallen humanity. And he's redeeming all of that. I get it. But how many of you believe it is not God's will that any should perish? Can I just see if you believe it is not God's will that any should perish? But you do understand many do. God rarely gets his way. And it's because, like, I've heard people make excuses, like, I don't understand why this bad thing has to happen. I don't understand why that bad thing has to happen. I don't understand why there's suffering. Therefore, you know, since I don't understand this, then I'm just going to step back from my whole belief system in God. And I just want you to know, just because you don't understand doesn't mean that you should move into a place where you're not only going to understand, but now you're going to close your eyes to reality. We live in a fallen world, but we serve a risen king. And the more we allow the risen king tendencies and inclinations to be awakened deep within our soul, the more the kingdom of God will advance. We need you in this fight. 
We need you in this fight. We don't need you just sitting back saying, well, I hope it all turns out okay. No, God rarely gets his way, and he's calling us to contend for the faith, to contend for New Testament theology, to contend for the kingdom of God to expand, to contend for darkness to not prevail, but for light to prevail, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church to contend and fight and war. And your worship is important, and your amens are significant, and our declaration of God's word. Come on, there's something of an atmosphere being cultivated in this room right now. You have a call. Let's walk through this. You are called, you're loved, you're kept. You have a call of God on your life. You, I want to say to each of you, please hear me individually, you have a call from God on your life. How many of you have ever had somebody actually tell you that? Like somebody who you respected, they said, wow, you are called by God. Anybody here say, you know, you've experienced that. I I just want you to know there's no greater spiritual leader in your life than God himself. And his word says you're called. I remember when Tracy and I had just gotten married. We were in our early 20s, and, and a church was going through a crisis, and, and the pastor was out of pocket, and they called our pastor, and, and, and they sent us to go in. And we did, first we did a little bit of youth ministry just to kind of stabilize the, the, the situation with the youth. But it went so well with the youth ministry, I mean, very young, but they said, you know, it was a very large church. They said, you know what, we want you to, to move into the congregational ministry for this season of time. And so uh, I remember, you know, I stood on this platform in this large church for the first time, you know, speaking, and, and, and man, God just really ministered and spoke so powerfully, and it was a great time of ministry. But what was so impactful for me was when I came down off of that platform that particular Sunday, their group of leaders surrounded the two of us, and they said, we are so glad God brought you here. There is a strong call of God on your lives as a couple. They began to say, you are instrumental in the kingdom of God. God is going to use you to liberate people in the kingdom of God. I want you to know, I needed to hear those words. I needed to hear what they had to say, and you need to hear those words. You need to know that you are instrumental in the kingdom of God. You have a call of God. Live your life in a way that you're answering God's call, not running from God's call, not doubting God's call. Contend! Push! You are called. It's been a great year focusing on what it is to flourish. 2018, a year of flourishing. How many of you have that word challenged in your life? That word of flourishing has been challenged, but I just say that God is able. I believe that this morning the Holy Spirit spoke to me as I was walking over here just praying. I am going to bring and release a a courageous faith in the hearts of the people. I believe there are some things some of you in this room have given up on this year, and right now as I'm speaking, God is awakening something, quickening something in your spirit, saying, stop believing it's dead, it's coming back to life. He's the God that can reverse a curse into a blessing. That's who he is. So why don't you celebrate it? Why don't you take about 60 seconds, stir yourself up just to believe God. Contend, contend, don't let it die. Recover, you can do this. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine. We will not shrink back. We will not be denied. I believe God wants to bring healing, restoration, and power.
but we must contend. First, know that you're called. And, and fill it in on your blank. I know the cards are small. There's a reason we did these quarter cards. But you're, I'll explain it as we progress along. But the, the, the first blank, you need to understand you're called because you're loved, not because you're gifted. Everybody in this room is fully loved by God. See, we live in a society and a culture that's caused us to measure and evaluate our gifts according to other people's giftedness. And so we wind up disqualifying ourselves because we don't see ourselves as gifted as maybe somebody else is. And I just want you to understand, your call has nothing to do with your level of giftedness. Everybody in this room is gifted in certain ways, and certain things. There are certain assignments that God's placed on your life, and he's given you the gift to accomplish those assignments. But I just want you to know, your call has nothing to do with your giftedness. Your call has everything to do with being loved. And in 2019, we are stepping into a dimension of understanding and recognizing you and I are called to love God and love others, say it with me, as we love ourselves. We're called to love God and love others, say it with me, as we love ourselves. Just say it out loud. I love myself. Isn't that weird? That's just weird. Some of you can't even hardly articulate that. It's because we've not done a good job in church helping people understand their personal value from God. Love others as you love yourself. Here's the phrase, and this is the caption, and this is the revelation for 2019, and we'll come back to it over and over and over and over all year long. It's simply this. You are fully known, and you are fully loved. He who knows you the best loves you the most. There's nothing about your life he doesn't know. How many of you in this room would say, there are plenty of things about my life most people in this room will never know, right? Unless you're related to me, and I'm going to show you pictures in just a few moments, and everyone will know. But there are plenty of things we don't want people to know about our lives, because there's something fearful about being fully known. But there's something just so fascinating about being fully loved. And you are fully known by God and fully loved by God. And that's why you're called by God. You're called, you're loved, and you're kept. How many of you have ever seen God protect you or keep you in a situation and you're thankful? Come on, I just want you to give Jesus praise. If he's ever kept you and protected you, just give him thanks for those times you saw his hand of protection and provision in powerful, powerful ways. And, and then I want you to think about exponentially more times that he protected you and kept you and you had no idea. The times you had no idea what you barely missed because of the hand of God. What report never even came your way. Not accident, what accident didn't even happen because somehow are not all angels ministering spirits sent to minister to those who inherit salvation? You know, I don't know how all that works, but God has protected and preserved and kept us in ways that we can't even begin to fathom or imagine. And one day we will, I believe, understand some of those things. You're called, you're loved, and you're kept. And there's something we all need to understand about how God gives. And it's the progression of this verse that's 
only like a three, four dilation conversation. Aren't you glad you're called? Aren't you glad you're loved? Aren't you glad you're kept? We're at a three, four dilation. And then all of a sudden it's like contend. You need to understand something. God gives, I, I don't know if it's on there or not, but you might jot it down just so you can look it up. I'm going to give you a few verses you can look up this week uh, in your personal time. But Exodus 6, 8 says God gives to us as a possession. God gives to us as a possession. That means many times what we're doing is we're sitting back saying, okay, uh, Lord, this is good, and we're ready. How many of you are waiting on God? Like, like really, <clears throat> I want to see a show of hands. How many of you are waiting on God? Like, okay, God, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready. <clears throat> I've learned this. A child's feet reach the pedals long before they're actually ready to drive. How many know kids think they're ready before they're ready to drive? I've learned that children are actually able to have children long before they're actually ready to parent their kids. Just because your body physiologically seems ready doesn't mean you're actually ready. Everything is beautiful in its own time. The reason a 14-year-old girl who finds out she's pregnant is not beautiful is because it's not time. But somebody who gets married and they go through the process and they're celebrating having a baby, everything is beautiful and it's time. There's something about the time. See, we're constantly looking. We're here. God, we want you to bring us here. We want you to take us. I, I was thinking about this this morning. <clears throat> we're here. We're here. And Lord, we, we're ready to, to achieve here. We're ready to achieve this. Here I am, and that's what I want to achieve. And I want you to know the kingdom of God is not as much about achieving as the kingdom of God is about becoming. And the process it takes you to get from here to that achievement is actually the process of becoming so that you can actually sustain whatever it is you're trying to achieve. It's easier to obtain than it is to maintain. It's easier to get it than it is to take care of it. If you don't know that, you've never been married. It's easier to obtain than it is to maintain. And once you obtain, once you achieve, then it's the process of getting there that actually prepares you to sustain the promise God placed in your hands. He gives to us as a possession. He gives to us as a possession. God took the Israelites and he said, here's the land. This is what this is in Exodus 6. Here's the land. I'm giving it to you. Oh, by the way, it's full of giants, <clears throat> and you're going to have to fight for what I've said is yours. What he's saying is you're loved, you're called, you're kept. Now go contend for what I say is yours. Now I'm trying to prepare you with a contextual understanding of the point I believe God wants to drive home in every one of us today, but there are things God wants you to possess that you will not possess unless you learn to contend. You have not because you ask not, so we're going to have to learn to pray and ask. Some of y'all better get your prayer lives in order for what God is wanting to bring into your life. Every day you wake up and you begin to declare in Jesus' name, favor rests upon my life. Increase comes in the name of the Lord. You start to declare, I'm believing for a household salvation. Anybody believing for a household salvation? Some of you, God's renewing that in you today as I'm speaking right now. There are some things God wants you to possess and you have to contend. You have to be willing to step into that. You know, uh, uh, the the pictures I mentioned, this is kind of interesting, but you just have to understand. My, my family, we all are serving the Lord. 
And I am so thankful that we are all serving the Lord. But it wasn't always that way. And, you know, I, I share sometimes my story, my two-tone mullet, my drug habit, you know, uh, growing up and, and getting into all that mess. And, and, and a lot of that happened because I was simply following the pattern of instability that my father was demonstrating to me that his stepfather had demonstrated to him you understand? There's this whole progression. How many know there's always a point of origin that's determining your frame of reference, and you have to address the point of origin in order to fix the problem instead of just trying to address the context in general? Jesus wants to become your point of origin, and the power of God discovered at the cross can change your life. So I grew up in a home watching my dad just be crazy. Like, yeah, I know you know him. He's, he's here. He's on the second row over here to my right. And I tell you what, he, he is crazy. He was crazy. He forever will be crazy. In heaven, people are going to say, that's that crazy Larry. <laughs> God made Larry the middle of the word hilarious. I'm just, you know, that's just the way he did it. And so when my dad was lost and not submitted to God, he was a wild man. And so here's a picture of our family before my younger brother Chris was ever even thought of. And, uh, and I love the shirt that I'm wearing in this particular uh, family shot. Man, if I could get that shirt back, I'd be, I'd be rocking that shirt right now. Look at those sideburns, man. My dad, he was something right there. Stud, true stud. And so there he was, kind of a wild man. And, uh, and then here, here he is in, in one of his more uh, exciting get-ups. So let me just explain something uh, from here. That's my dad in a gorilla mask, and that's my mom dressed up like Boy George. <laughs> my dad, if, you could, if we could scan that picture down, is standing there in a diaper. A diaper, folks. He wore a gorilla head and a diaper for his Halloween mask, and uh, and nobody believed this could happen, but this did happen when he came to know Christ, and I had the privilege of baptizing my own father who gave his life to Jesus. Now, let me just explain something to you. It's easy to celebrate that now and how awesome it is that we're here celebrating that, but I want to just walk you through a little bit of what was going on in that progression because it's not always easy to see the kingdom of God come to pass in your life and your family. I think we do people a disservice when all we do is ever celebrate the fruit and don't address the process that's required to get to the fruit. Contend. Push, Tracy. Come on, pastor. Pray. Contend. So my dad was the type of guy uh, is it okay if I share? Okay, I, I'm just going to do that. <laughs> My dad was the kind of guy that uh, people didn't believe he could ever become a Christian. And I remember somebody came knocking on the door one day to share the gospel. And I was a little kid, and I watched this guy walk up to the door. I don't know where he's from, what church or whatever, but he was there to share the gospel. And my dad walked up to the door, and, and, you know, lost people just act lost, right? And my dad was lost. And so, uh, you know, he's walked up to the door, and the guy's trying to share the gospel with him, and he, he makes, without any question, you know, you're not welcome, I'm not interested, you can leave. I mean, he completely, you know, just sent the guy walking. And, and I remember as a kid watching that happen and just thinking, man, that's my dad, you know? 
don't, don't mess with my dad. You know, I started idolizing and appreciating the things that I shouldn't have appreciated because the example was there. And I remember that guy goes to the next house, and that happened to be my uncle, my mom's brother, Don. And my dad saw him going to the, the door. You remember this, Dad? And he stepped out the door and waited till the guy started talking to Uncle Donnie. And then he said, hey, Don, when you finish with that guy, come on over and let's drink some beer. And the guy's like standing there. He goes, okay. And he walks off and... and uh, I mean, do you understand? All I'm trying to say, I'm not trying to paint any picture other than lost people act lost, so don't be surprised when lost people act lost. And people looked at my dad and they were like, is there any way God could reach into that heart? Is there any way God could crack that shell? Is there any way that could happen? And I just want you to know, God always has a way of entering into a person's life but it doesn't just happen because we hope it happens. You, you have a role to play. See, we saw my dad come to know Christ, but it didn't happen until my mom and I decided. I became a Christian, and then we started studying the Bible together, and, and her faith began to be really deepened, and mine was completely challenged, and, and, and we, we lived in two different cities. But every Friday, every Friday at lunch, we did not eat food. And the reason we didn't eat food on Friday at lunch was because we were in two different cities, fasting and praying, one in the Spirit, believing God for this man's salvation. We didn't just say, well, I hope this happens. Come on, we were contending. We were contending. What are you believing for? What are you contending for? What are you standing for? Who are you fighting for? The kingdom of God is not about nonsense, pep rally, church services where we come and sing a few songs and get our motivational speech on. You are warriors in the kingdom of God, and there are people that are not going to get into heaven if we don't contend. And it's serious. D.L. Moody made a list of 100 friends. And he prayed earnestly that all 100 of his friends would come to know Christ. 96 of the 100 names on his list came to know Jesus before the day he died. 96. How many you know that's a pretty good average? And at his funeral, the remaining four came to know Christ. All 100. I want you to think about what eternity is like when you're standing in a forum of people who know that they are there because you stood in the gap and forever you will celebrate together that you have entered into a place of the presence of God for all eternity. I don't know what that's going to be like, but I'm going to tell you right now, my family and I plan to spend all eternity 
enjoying friendship and relationship with people that wouldn't be there had it not been for our willingness to give financially, to serve wholeheartedly, and to devote ourselves to see the kingdom of God expand. We believe it is worth it to do whatever it takes to give, love, serve into the lives of people around us, to see the kingdom of God expand in the name of Jesus lifted up. Come on, let's believe for that together today as a family. I've mentioned this, and I just want to say it again, and this is the reason you have this card. We're going to ask you to write names of people on this card. We made it small, so it's a little easier for you to take with you. Maybe keep it in your Bible. Maybe put it by your sink. But we're going to ask you on those blanks just to write names of people that you are going to pray for in this next year. And we're going to, we're going to focus specifically on 90 days. It's going to be 30, 60, 90. I want, I want to ask you for the first 30 days to focus on simply praying for the people who are on your list. You don't have to say a thing to them. You don't have to do anything. Just pray for their name. Pray for them by name out loud. And as you pray for them in those first 30 days, God is going to give you a deeper sense of compassion toward them. And in the second 30 days, we're going to ask you, to serve those people in some specific, intentional way. Simply serve them, love them, encourage them, write them a note, be aware of if something's going on in their life. You know, you don't, you don't have to go to church with somebody to actually visit them in the hospital. That's just the ministry that we would do for people that we're in relationship with. You know, whatever's going on in that person's life in that second 30 days, we want to ask you to really serve them. And in the final 30 days, in, the, in this 90-day scope, I want to ask you, in the final 30 days, after you've prayed for them for 30, after you've served them for 30, then we want in that final 30 for you to invite them into your life. Invite them to a meal. Perhaps invite them into your home. Pray for them. Ask God to minister to them. And then invite them in for a conversation. Just so happens 90-day conclusion will be about Easter. Invite them to your church. Invite people in. How many of you know there are some people who are going to come to know Jesus because we have chosen to contend for the faith? Love God. Love others as you love yourself. What would you want somebody to do for you if you didn't know who Jesus was? Love others as you love yourself. How aggressive would you want them to be now, let me just ask this question because I think it's something that needs to be addressed. How many of you in this room struggle a little bit with the whole being called thing? Like, am I really worthy of the call of God in my life? I think it's really important that we understand Elijah standing on top of a mountain, called down fire from heaven in a story and a situation and a circumstance that we have rehearsed for all these years later of the mightiest man of God any of us could imagine. I mean, a mighty, mighty man of God. And he ran down off that mountain scared to death because of the king's wife. It's good for us to see a mighty man of God suddenly scared to death. It's good for us to read in the book of Job where Job starts going through difficulty, and he says, I curse the day I was born. And then almost the very next breath, he says, to God belong wisdom and power. And then the next breath, I hate my very life. And then the next breath, to God belong strength and victory. Lord, you're going to see me through. Anybody feel bipolar in your faith ever? Job must have. Elijah must have. You know that mighty man of God? 
that turned the capital city of paganism in a single day to serve the Lord. Nineveh was turned in a single day by the mighty man of God, Jonah, who ran from the call of God before he answered the call of God. Jonah must have felt a little bipolar. You know that mighty man of God who heard from God that he was going to be a father of faith and that his wife was going to have a child, and then like they had to wait 25 years wondering, is this, you understand, this is just plain Bible. Nobody in the Bible ever said, of course I'm called by God, I'm awesome. Everyone in the Bible had to say, me? You want me to do what? You're God, I'm me. That is what qualifies you to be completely dependent upon him. Welcome to the club. I love it because Job is dilated to about a four, five, six. The pain is there. And God steps into the mix in Job chapter 42, and this is what he says. I mean, you imagine everything Job went through. What would you say if you were God? Because like in my wife's most vulnerable moment of her life, I wanted to hold her hand and say, it's going to be okay, honey. That's not what she needed. God to Job says these words, stand up like a man. Stop letting the pain take control of your life and focus on the purpose so you push beyond the pain and give birth to something of the spirit in the world in which you live. Stand up like a man. It's a principle that's revealed in Isaiah 58. And I would suggest you write down Isaiah 58. And sometime this week, go back and look over that chapter. Because it says, when you open the gate for others, the gate stays open for you. When you make it happen for others, God makes it happen for you. When you care for the needs of others, all heaven starts to be awakened in your life. Come on, let's stand together. I want to ask you to take our commission seriously and begin to pray for at least three names. Maybe you'll take the D.L. Moody challenge and make a list of 100 names. That'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? 100 names. You get the picture. It was not only not ridiculous, all 100 people came to know Christ. But we're going to ask you, write down at least three names and start to pray for them every day. People who need Jesus. I mean, this is what we're here for, to see the kingdom of God expand. And I want to ask you to contend. Come on, would you just... Allow God to stir something in you that awakens the fight. Let's stop asking for easy and let's get in a fighter's frame of mind. And let's begin to contend for what God wants to release in the earth. If you're here and you say, you know what, I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with Christ. Maybe you've never specifically determined, I'm going to pray to receive Christ 
today. This is going to be the day of salvation that I'll look at and say, I know that's the day that I gave my life to God. Maybe that's you today. Begin to contend for salvation. You make that decision, that determination. Maybe you hear you say, you know what? That whole water baptism thing has just been ceremonial for me. I'm ready to actually pass through those waters and sort of notice on the enemy. And just as it was with the Israelites, that which had held them captive for generations perished in the water. So is it going to be when I go through those baptismal waters. The last Sunday of January, we're going to have a worship and baptism night. And we're believing God for great breakthrough in people's lives. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's a scenario in your life where you just know God is asking you to bring a focus to the things of God. This first 40 days of the year, we're asking everybody to really focus in on loving, serving, giving. Be faithful in those areas. How many of you want God to bless you financially? Can I just say you want God to bless you financially? Do you understand you must contend? Do you understand that? The harvest comes as a result of the seed. When we're faithful with our giving, it releases something of the harvest in our lives. We can't just sit back and say, God, just bless me. And after you bless me, then, you know, we'll see where we go from there. It doesn't even work that way in the natural. You can't tell the fire, give me heat, and then I'll give you wood. You can't tell the bank, give me interest, and then I'll give you an investment. You've got to start with something first. What are you bringing before the Lord today? Your energy, your focus, your time, whatever that is, your heart. Come on. Lord, we just ask that you would help every one of us. We're all in a different place in our journey, and you're reaching each and every one of us right where we are. Lord, we just pray that you would help us, each and every one of us, to take a step forward in the name of Jesus. If you're here with nobody else looking around, I suppose you say, you know, I just need to take the first step. I, I need to accept Christ and seal this deal and know that I know that today's the day of salvation in my life. And I want you to slip up your hand. I want to pray for you before we move on. Anybody at all in this room, I'm going to take the first step right now. If you say, I'm going to take a step, whatever that step is, you're ready to take a step. I want you to slip up your hand. Everybody in the room, if that's you, I'm going to take a step. I'm going to move a step ahead, take a step forward. Father, I pray you'd help each and every one of us to know what that step looks like. We would give you something to work with. We thank you, Lord, that we're called, we're loved, and we're kept. And now, Lord, we choose to contend for New Testament theology, to contend for the faith to walk this out every day in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen.